Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with Cat Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante, imagination, innovation, science in action. A new report found that over the last two decades, losses tied to extreme weather triggered over $3 billion in crop insurance payouts to California farmers. Authors of the report, which was published by the nonprofit Environmental Working Group, analyzed payments made to farmers from the federal crop insurance program between 2001 and 2022. The program, funded in large part by taxpayer money, pays farmers when their crop yields decline in an effort to keep the agricultural sector economically stable. In a report, authors identified the top five weather-related costs Causes of crop loss leading to payouts nationally. They are heat, excess moisture, drought, hail, and freeze. Payouts in each of these categories more than doubled nationally since 2001. Together, these five weather conditions caused over $118 billion of crop insurance payouts nationally between 2001 and 2022. Ann Scheinschenger, an agricultural economist who led the report, said California farmers are top in the country when it comes to losing crops due to both heat and freeze. She said payouts for crops lost due to heat alone accounted for over $1.3 billion in California between 2001 and 2022. The majority of these impacts were felt in the Central Valley counties, including Kern, Tulare, and Fresno. She said climate change is largely to blame for the steady increase in costs. She said there is no need to reform the crop insurance program and recommends more money be spent helping farmers adapt to a changing climate rather than financially recovering from lost crops. Representatives from across the California Department of Food and Agriculture divisions of programs were on hand at the recent 9th Annual Latino Farmer Conference held in Stockton. The conference had an emphasis on sustainable agriculture, equity, and resources for underserved farmers and ranchers, as well as workshops in Spanish. CDFA hosted three booths with employees from the Office of Environmental Farming and Innovation, the Inspection Services Division, the Animal Health and Food Safety Services Division, and the Office of Grants Administration. The Farmer Equity Program, the Division of Marketing Services, and a Specialty Crop Block Grant Program, and a Citrus Pest and Disease Prevention Division. Hosted by the National Center for Appropriate Technology and the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the conference was open to all farmers and ranchers, yet it was uniquely tailored towards Spanish-speaking growers. The Alliance for Food and Farming's Safe Fruits and Veggies website has been updated and refreshed to improve user experience and access to the wealth of produce safety information available at the site. Originally launched in 2010, the website is a cornerstone of the AFF's Safe Fruits and Veggies campaign. The campaign's goal is to provide science-based produce safety information to help consumers make the right shopping choices for themselves and their families in the produce aisle. The newly refreshed website offers a revamped, modernized homepage, as well as a more accessible, easy 
free to read blog section. The video page has also been reorganized and new videos using AI technology will be added soon. A new consumer tips section will feature produce washing information and quick tips from dietitians with ideas on how to save money when shopping for fruits and vegetables and how to reduce food waste. The most popular section of the website, the residue calculator, continues to be highlighted on the refresh site. The calculator is based upon an analysis by the University of California toxicologist of residue sampling data from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's pesticide data program. This expert analysis found that a child could eat hundreds of thousands of servings of a fruit or vegetable in a day and still not have any effects from pesticide residues. The calculator shows how very low residues are on popular produce items, if present at all. The AFF works to support consumers' shopping choices by reassuring them about the safety of all produce. Whether they choose organic or conventionally grown, both are safe and can be eaten in confidence. The website, once again, is safefruitsandveggies.com. Huron lettuce supplies were affected by a recent heat spike causing quality challenges such as internal burn, insect damage, inconsistent weights, long corn cedar, large ribs, and mishappen heads. The weather has cooled significantly and growers are expecting better overall quality. Huron supplies will remain available for another two to three weeks. Inspectors will continue monitoring quality in Huron as well as other active growing regions such as Salinas, Oxnard, and the upcoming Arizona, California desert region. The California Milk Advisory Board will spotlight a diverse selection of innovative and sustainably sourced specialty dairy products at an upcoming annual private label trade show in Chicago, Illinois, November 12th through the 14th. The advisory board will sample an assortment of dairy applications, including cheese, Hispanic-style cheese and dairy, cheese dips, yogurt, ice cream, and more. California dairy processors in attendance will include Pacific Cheese, Rizzo Lopez Foods, Superstore Industries, Crystal Creamery, and Scott Brothers Dairy. We're waking up to a new dawn in agriculture. A better way, where farmers stop working the soil and start working with it. At Huma, our carbon-rich, humate-based products improve soil health and fertility, deliver nutrients more efficiently, and reduce crop input costs. Welcome to Humix Solutions with a human touch. Visit Huma.us to learn more. Across the board, yields were really nice and, uh, and quality was really nice. This was the first year in, um, we actually did a commercial harvest of a, of a 12-acre orchard made up of wolf skill. Walnut grower and orchard manager Davin Noreen, who's with Big Time Farming LLC, talking about quality of his walnut crops post-harvest, as well as how the newer variety Wolf Skill fared in its first commercial harvest. Our orchards in um, in Rio Oso, which is in uh, the southern Sacramento Valley, um, uh, had great quality, uh, which is is um, um, consistent across across the state uh, this year. Um, we also had really nice yields, um, really across the board, um, yields were good. Um, uh, we, we farm, you know, four, four varieties, three main varieties, um, um, and, um, our, our Chandler Howard crops were, were really phenomenal. Um, uh, even our Hartley, uh, orchards, um, that did very well for us and our, our last remaining vinyl orchard um, also did very well. Um, so across the board, yields were really nice and, um, 
and quality was really nice. 2023 was the first year Noreen's operation conducted a commercial harvest on a 12-acre wolfskill orchard as well. Wolfskill is the most recently commercially available walnut variety coming out of the UC Davis walnut breeding program about two and a half years ago. It combines the color and shell traits of Chandler with the earlier harvest date and kernel fill of Solano. That was probably the first commercial harvest of that variety um, uh, ever. Um, so that was kind of exciting. Um, the variety still is looking good uh, in our older, more mature um, trees. Um, Crackout was around 53%. Um, it was blended with a, another um, numbered variety that's coming out of the um, um, uh, walnut improvement program at Davis um, combined they had like an 80% um, light or an 82% light I think the other variety brought it down uh, a little bit um, the younger trees that we harvested had a 55% meat yield which is you know um, which is phenomenal um, color was a little bit off I think it was um, only about 65% light but um young trees getting harvested um, uh, later in the season um, than they normally would be kind of things are just a little bit different there. So I don't really draw too much into that. I'm still, I'm still really um, uh, impressed with what we see from old skill. Overall, the immense improvement in quality this season will be a welcomed break for walnut growers. And on the topic of breaks, Noreen also mentioned new emergency relief funds available to walnut growers in the state who suffered damage and subsequent losses during the 2022 season. I have to, you know, we have to see see where we can fit it in, uh, but I, I sure hope that um, ourselves and, and other growers will be able to um, to get something out of that program in order to, you know somewhat mitigate the you know the devastating loss of 2022. Now that harvest is over, Noreen said his post-harvest to-do list is long. Considerations for him include pruning, potassium applications, and cover crop plantings, among other factors. You know, we ended harvest on uh, November 1st this year, and you know, the next season, the 2024 crop, crop starts on November 2nd um, in that case. And so, um, um, yeah, you mentioned uh, pruning. Um, I do like in the in the fall, uh, early fall, when you still have um, a really good canopy um, uh, to go into any orchards where you um, uh, where you have a significant amount of dead wood, diseased wood. Um, it's a really good time um, to get in there and try and clean that out uh, before it gets before it gets wet, before you lose leaves, when it's really clear. Um, what's sick and dead and needs to needs to come out. So that's that's good. Um, we're you know we're looking at our our leaf samples from um, from late July early August and we're taking soil samples right now to see what kind of uh, potassium applications um, we want to make. If we want to, um, cert we're going to certainly do some right away in the fall and in some of the orchards, but we want to see how. Uh, how far we're going to go or if we'll wait and do try and do some in-season maintenance. Um, so that's, that's another thing. Um, uh, strip spraying, um, uh, getting your, your um, strips clean, mowing, you mentioned David Orangeworm. Those are all things that, yeah, you have to kind of, um, you know, see what the weather's going to do, 
make your game plan as far as how you're going to attack, attack them, uh, when you want to mow, when you want to, um, um, how early you want to put your, start putting your dormant, um, experiment sprays down. Um, I kind of focus right now on our young orchards, um, that, that are under develop, uh, still in development. Um, we're trying to put cover crop, uh, get our cover crop planted in those orchards. So we're trying to get them strip sprayed, um, make sure the berms are clean. Uh, put that sterilant material down, get our cover crop uh, planted in the ground, uh, do any other groundwork um, that we need to do before um, uh, before it gets too wet. Yeah, so this time of year, it's always like, yeah, what's on the what's on the to do list? What's on the need list? Uh, what's the weather gonna gonna allow us to do? You're listening to my ag life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Sponsored by the California Walnut Boarding Commission, supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together. Senator Michael Bennett of Colorado and Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming have introduced legislation requiring the Government Accountability Office to study the barriers between farmers and mental health care. Volatile commodity prices, increased input costs, more frequent wildfires, severe drought and other extreme weather events significantly infect farmers' mental health. Despite the demonstrated need for services, many rural communities face barriers to access for those services. The GAO would be required to study the availability and accessibility of substance abuse treatment and mental health care providers trained to serve the needs of farmers, ranchers, agricultural workers, and their families. The study would also assess the barriers farmers and ranchers face to accessing care and successful programs at the state and local levels. The 96th annual National FFA Convention kicked off last Thursday with a special visit and speech by USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. USA Ag News reporter Rod Bain. The future of agriculture. I know this convention is filled with future farmers, entrepreneurs, scientists, veterinarians, government officials, bankers, business leaders, and teachers. Taking on what Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack calls some of the most challenging issues they will face in the future. Climate change, food security, and growing income inequality. The Secretary speaking Thursday morning at the National FFA Convention in Indianapolis. And I know that your FFA experiences prepare you to face these challenges with bold solutions, clear thought, and an eye toward progress. I'm here today to say very clearly, I believe in the future of agriculture because I believe in you, our next generation of agriculture leaders. In addition to speaking, Vilsack received an honorary American FFA degree from the organization. The honorary American FFA degree is used to recognize individuals who have rendered outstanding service to agricultural education in the FFA. It is truly an honor to bestow upon you the honorary American FFA degree. Thank you. Just let me say thank you very much. I'm really touched by this. My wife and I often talk about all of you, and we have concluded if it was up to us, we'd put the young people of FFA in charge of the country. You understand the importance of this country. You understand the value of hard work. You understand the importance of cooperation and collaboration. You really do represent the best of the best. So I take this honor with deep gratitude. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is accepting applications for the emergency relief program for eligible farms impacted by natural disasters last year. Farm News reporter Michael Clements has more. USDA recently announced disaster-related funding for events that occurred in 2022 through the Emergency Relief Program. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Danny Munch explains. 
the new ERP program is a continuation of the previous ERP, which covered qualifying losses from 2021 and 2020. This new one will add an additional $3.74 billion in ad hoc assistance for disasters that occurred in 2022. The application process includes two separate tracks for farmers. Track one is going to be for farmers who already have had an active crop insurance plan in 2022 or an active NAP plan in 2022. So those folks will receive a pre-filled application with their information. Just because you receive a pre-filled application doesn't mean you'll get payments. You still have to qualify. Track 2 will cover all other folks, and that's going to use a benchmark revenue from your farm and compare it to your disaster year, either from your tax returns or an expected revenue. However, the payment formula, Munch says, may be problematic for many farmers. It looks at your original coverage level in your crop insurance plan, and it bumps it up. So, for instance, if you had 55% coverage level, now you have 80. The new piece is it takes that base payment, and then it uses what's called progressive factoring, where the first $2,000, you'll get to keep all of that. The next $2,000 is decreased by 20%, the next 40%. Once you get over $10,000, everything after that is reduced by 90%. And that's a big impact because a lot of farmers that face disasters have losses much higher than $10,000. For more information, contact your local Farm Service Agency office. Michael Clements, Washington. Sustainable aviation fuel leaders are pressing the administration to modernize its carbon measuring model for the biofuel, key to winning tax credits to attract needed investment. Seventy industry leaders, including major airlines, wrote Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen that the default model needed to measure SAF carbon emissions won't fly because it fails to account for climate-smart feedstock and biorefinering practices allowing for tax credits. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper. You absolutely can make a carbon neutral uh, fuel, whether it's for aviation uses or for motor vehicles. The biofuels and aviation industries want the administration to apply the energy department's so-called GREET model, not the old model, to measure full life cycle emissions of sustainable aviation fuel and make it eligible for credits. Nebraska's Adrian Smith on the old model. I'm told that because this model is somewhere between 10 and 15 years out of date, U.S. grown corn and soy do not qualify. If U.S. grown corn and soy don't meet this model's standards, the sustainable aviation fuel produced from them would be ineligible. USA Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack told ethanol leaders last month that they needed to fight for SAF credit eligibility. The issue is this industry taking full and complete advantage of a 36 billion gallon industry that has never existed, that now will. But you got to fight for it. But Vilsack acknowledged that requires qualifying for credits and said tax guidance for that should be ready by year's end. The SAF leaders say the Inflation Reduction Act explicitly allows for the use of any similar methodology to the existing one to determine SAF credit eligibility. Despite higher food prices spurred by inflation, consumers who typically include at least some organic fruits and vegetables in their grocery carts are not giving up on a category. In fact, many are increasing their organic produce purchases. The Packers Organic Fresh Trends 2023 survey, which pulled more than 1,000 U.S. consumers, found that roughly 6 out of 10 respondents purchased organic produce at least periodically during the past year. Among those consumers, 10% indicated that organics represented more than 75% of their annual fruit and vegetable purchases. 
purchases compared with just 7% who reported the same level of organic buying in the previous year's survey. 26% said that organic produce represented 11 to 25% of their annual fruit and vegetable purchases compared with 25% of consumers who indicated the same level of organic purchases share a year ago. Organic Fresh Trends also found that consumers who reported buying at least some organic produce in the past year were willing to pay more for it compared to conventional fruits and vegetables. While 11% said they were not willing to pay any premium, 27% were willing to pay up to 10% more. 19% said they would pay a much higher premium of 25 to 49%, down slightly from 20% of respondents who indicated likewise in the 2022 survey. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate, and influence growers in the Western United States. Everywhere you go, you see West Coast Nut Magazine on every one of my customers' tables. So that tells you everything. That's, that, it's there, so they're reading it. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. Thank you.